0: How are you all doing this morning? Everybody wide awake, ready to go? All right, good. We, um, My name is Cody, and I'm a student pastor here, and uh, I'm privileged to be able to speak with you all this morning for a little bit, but it's going be, uh, we're going to be talking to you a little bit about a trip that we took a couple weeks ago with our CIY uh, trip, our students who are over here, and I'll have them stand up here in just a minute. But this last week, I was... Uh, how many of you, your lawns are looking pretty pathetic right now? Like, it's like, yeah, you, you've, you're putting caution tape around it because it's just, it's kind of dead, it's done for. Um, that's kind of, you know, my yard isn't horrible, but it, it's, it's got some issues. And when I came back from the trip, my daylilies and flower bed and everything was looking, uh, it was, there was a lot of brown in it. So I decided I was going to dig in. I was going to start pulling all the dead stuff out. Uh, all the dead uh, leaves and stuff like that. So I was doing that. And a neighbor walked by and just made a comment really quick, because I was like three quarters of the way through. Thank you, neighbor. He said, lost cause, (laughs) which probably it may be true with the amount of rain that we've been given. But I'm so thankful that God does not look at us and say, that's a lost cause. Um, Because I think a lot of us would be in a pretty bad situation if he ever said that to us. You know, I look in Scripture, can only think of one time when he ever did that, when he looked at something as a lost cause, and he promised with a rainbow he would never do that again, which is a, a, thank, a thing that I'm thankful for, is that God does not look at us, and God does not look at our world as a lost cause. Uh, because God sees nobody as a lost cause, and He still sees His church as a beacon of light, for our world, he has called each and every one of us to stand out and live a life of contrast. What is a life of contrast, you may ask? It's a life that stands out dramatically from the one lived for self and that we see so prevalent in the world around us. It's the idea that we are called to stand out and look significantly different. To give you a little background, a couple weeks ago on uh, July 15th, we, uh, after church service, uh, a group of 14 of us, uh, 10 students and 4 adults, headed uh, to Cleveland, Tennessee for a CIY trip, Christ in Youth, which is uh, a ministry uh, that is a parachurch organization that does uh, student um, things all over uh, conferences all over the country. I think they had like 36 this year, and over uh, you know thousands and thousands of students, uh, over 36,000 students or something that were a part of overall this summer, a part of their conferences. And it's just um, we had some really big stuff that happened, and I know God spoke into us. And the, the topic this year was contrast, and it was one that was really good. It called I think a lot of us out towards things. Um, and uh, we had a good time. We went whitewater rafting, we, uh, which was a blast. And uh, we spent a little time at City Museum in St. Louis. Have you guys ever been there? That is fun. You got to go there. It's like just a big jungle gym. So we, that was a lot of fun for us. But uh, we had a good time. And I'm going to have a few, uh, couple students. Uh, I'm going to have Katie Jones and David Brown are going to come up. And then Ben Warren, our intern for the summer, is going to come up and just share with you a little bit about what God spoke to them uh, this couple weeks ago. I'd like actually everybody, I know that some had to be out of town, but uh, everybody who went on the trip with us, uh, could you stand up, please? All right, they're they're not thankful that I'm doing that to them. (laughs) Including adults. (laughs) Awesome, you guys can have a seat, thank you. Um, And we had, uh, as far as adults, we had uh, Ben Warren, our intern, who's been a, a blessing for us this summer and has done a great job. Um, uh, Teresa Perrin, Kristen Perky and I were all a part of that trip. Um, but I just want to say also, I know that there's many of you praying for us, I want to say thank you. And it's I just, it's so cool to see when God um, that God responds when the church uh, prays for his people. And uh, I've, I've seen it multiple times in my life and uh, it's just a blessing. So thank you for everybody who prayed for our students uh, on this trip. Uh, let me pray really quick and then I'm gonna have Katie Jones is going to be our first, she's going to come up and talk for a little bit, then David Brown and then Ben Warren, and then I'm going to come up and talk a little bit more after that. Dear Jesus, thank you, thank you for loving us, thank you for uh, living a life of contrast yourself, uh, living so dramatically different than the world that we can look at you and see the light that you give us and, uh, and show us and we can live in response to that. And so, Lord, I pray that each one of us today, this morning, uh, is called out to something uh, different than what we are currently living, because um, we are not meant to just sit in these chairs. We are meant to live a life of contrast, day in and day out, uh, a life that is, looks different than everybody else. Um, and Lord, give us the strength, give us the Spirit that You promise us to be able to live that out, and to be a beacon of light in the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Katie, can you come on up?
1: Oh, is it good now? Okay, we're good. <laughs> okay. So I'm Katie Jones, like you just said, and I just graduated from Aletha South High School, so that would make this my last trip with the youth group, sadly. And can I just say, it's so crazy how time has flied, flown <laughs> since three years ago. I just remember packing my bags, getting ready to go on my first ever trip with the youth group, We were going to uh, Cleveland, Tennessee to CIY move and I had no idea that this conference would shape who I was and change the course of my life. I had no idea that I would come home having made incredible and true friendships that would last a lifetime. And I had no idea that three years later, I would set foot in that very same town, same university and same conference to allow God to shape me and my life once again. So that first experience at MOVE, it opened my eyes and brought me to the light that I didn't know existed. For the first time, I knew what a a real relationship with God truly meant and felt like. Oops. (laughs) That trip completely changed what the next three years of high school were to look like for me. I finally had friends who I could truly trust and rely on, and that is really important when in high school. I'm sure a lot of you know that. And I started to attend youth group regularly, and I attended three other summer trips with the youth group, which were also really amazing and incredible experiences. So it was just really great to visit this place where so many of the greatest things in my life started. So uh, the theme at MOVE this year was contrast, and so the one I feel like impacted me the most was obey and rebel. And at the beginning of the day, they gave us all two wristbands, and we put them on both our wrists, and we had to wear them the entire day. And those were to represent our shackles that we have through sin. And so the speaker that spoke that day, she talked about how most of the time we choose to leave our shackles on. And really, it's right in front of us. The key is right in front of us. All we have to do is ask God for forgiveness and for him to take away our shame and guilt. And so that night when we all got another wristband and we connected the two wristbands on a wrist. So it's like we had actual physical shackles. And it's just kind of crazy just that night when we were worshiping, how you forget what it's like to be free so easily. And that night, um, later in the night, we all took off each other's shackles and it was just, it just felt so weird to be free again. And yeah, it's just, that's, the message that really impacted me the most. And to all you high schoolers out there, these trips are so amazing. I Go on the next trip to next summer, whatever it is, wherever they're going, it's gonna be amazing and you will love it and I promise you won't regret it.
2: So I'm David Brown. I'll be a junior next year at Blue Valley West High School. And uh, starting with this trip, the, my favorite part was probably getting to know Justin a little bit more, who was the freshman who went on our trip, because from the first day, like when we loaded up the vans, he told me that he just was looking for, like, friends that also, like, knew God, because at his school... He has, like, one best friend, but all the other ones are just, like, kind of crazy and loud, and just don't, he doesn't have anybody to talk about God with. So, uh, throughout the trip, he really got more comfortable with our group, and started growing in his faith more, which allowed him to be more open with everybody in the group, and then the coolest night was when uh, we were all just talking in a small group, and then he shared, like, really personal stuff with us, and I knew he was, like, finally comfortable with us, and then after that, Uh, We talked later that night in the dorm, and he was just like so happy that he finally found like people that he could talk about God with, like people that felt like his community in the church. So that was really cool. And then with all the summer trips, really that's always like the coolest part, getting closer to all the friends, like all the high school people, like that's just my favorite part personally. And with this trip, what really stood out to me, like, what I feel like God was calling me to do was uh, live, like, in contrast to the world, but just, like, at my home life. Because, like, the one verse that stood out to me the whole time, we were reading out of First John a lot. So, what stood out to me was First John three eighteen, which was, like, dear children, don't, oh, hang on, okay, I got it. It was... Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, let's show the truth by our actions. And I really like that one because when you're living your life, it's so easy to like be mean or like quick to judge people, but that's not the kind of love like God shows towards us, and that's not what we should show to other people. Like We should live and love people like Christ does. And so I feel like if I loved people the way Christ did because uh, I have such, like, have a big sphere of influence. If I started loving people the way Christ did, I'd show them God's love, and then maybe they would go find it for themselves and then be like a kingdom worker and people would start coming to Christ. So I feel like that'd be really cool if I started doing that and that's what he was calling me to do. So that's it.
3: Hello, everyone. It's good to see everyone here. Uh, My name is Ben, again. I'm the youth intern for the summer and children's intern, so I helped out with VBS and all that. Uh, This trip, I really liked. Um, I've had the privilege of going on several CIY move trips. Uh, When I was in high school, my uh, youth group would go every year, and so I got to go five years in a row, and it was just a really impactful thing for me, and uh, at one point, um, my very my very last CIY, I actually made the decision that I wanted to go into full-time ministry. And so it's kind of what brought me here uh, as a, an intern here because I started studying at Manhattan Christian College. But um, I think that CIY for me, especially this year, was really good because it just, kept, it just keeps solidifying the thoughts that you have about uh, who God is and what our church is and what the kingdom of God looks like. And I think they do a really good job of helping uh, students especially understand what it means to live in a kingdom that's specifically designed to bring God's kingdom to earth. And uh, the theme, again, was contrast, you've heard that several times now, but um, uh, there was one speaker we had one night that I liked a lot, his name was Taylor Walling, and he told a story about how, uh, uh, imagine you're in my house and uh, we're like cooking food and we're going to like feed you and we're putting down like strips of bacon. And you can just hear like the sizzling as like it's cooking over in the other room. And then uh, we hear basically uh, dinner served and he comes out and he, you know, opens up the, I forget what you call that thing, you cover the food with it. And then in that plate he has some bacon bits for you, like the little fake, you know, pretend bacon bits that they put in those containers. And that really stood out to me because uh, that really does sometimes kind of look like what we do in church. We, want, we say that we're the real thing, we say that we're bacon, we say that we're bringing this to the world, but then we end up looking like bacon bits, the fake stuff that's made of cornstarch and all that stuff. And that really stood out to me because uh, sometimes, in my life especially, I know that I want to be a contrast, but really I'm just acting like bacon bits. I'm not actually real bacon. And so that was a really powerful message for me. And it's kind of resonated for a while now. Uh, as far as highlights from the trip, this trip was a lot of fun. Uh, there was one day that there was just a torrential downpour. And so I was like, hey guys, you want to go run out in the rain? And so we did that. We ran out in the rain. There's some puddles. And so we just like sprinted the puddles and just fell over and just slid for a few feet. And we did that for like an hour. We just kept running through these puddles over and over again. And it was really great. And then uh, whitewater rafting, we did that later. and. Uh, our boat got completely flipped over, and we all got dumped into the river, and that was really fun because uh, water, yep. And so, yeah, this trip I think was especially good for, uh, especially, uh, David was mentioning uh, Justin, uh, really made some strides, but then also just everyone who went on this trip. I think that they made some new connections about who God was and who he is in their life, and uh, for me personally, I felt more of that uh more of my calling being solidified, especially. So, uh, yeah, that's what I got for you.
0: I'm extremely proud of our our students. Um, We're incredibly blessed to have the students that we do. And uh, thank you for your support. Contrast is something that is strikingly different. I love that. That's the definition that when I looked it up, it says it's strikingly different. I love that definition because you can't help but notice something that's strikingly different. It just stands out. It's bold. It's kind of the idea of maybe the moon at night, you know, like when you have that really big, bright super moon. You, have you ever you've been driving all of a sudden? You're just like, whoa, that thing just kind of, I didn't even... Notice how bright the moon was, but it's just strikingly different. Or a 3D movie where you have the glasses on and all of a sudden something just stands out really bold. Uh, maybe knocks you over in your chair just a bit because it feels like it's going to attack you. Uh, it's the idea of, uh, of Nick at a country con- concert. Nick uh, over <laughs> I had to call you out there, man. It's the idea of Paul in the Bible, of his life before and after becoming a Christian. And it's the idea that us as Christians are called to look strikingly different than the world around us. And what we're going to do is, I'm going to ask you guys to pull out Bibles. We're going to go, we're not going to have the scriptures and stuff on the on the screens today. We're gonna to go a little old school. So uh, these things, uh, in case you wanna know, these are called books and they're Bibles. For y- some of you who have gotten used to your phones or whatever, uh, pull it out. And we're gonna be looking in the book of 1 John, uh, which is where we really uh, spent all of our time during our, our CIY. Uh, we looked at the book of 1 John, and, and I encourage you to read this uh, on your own time. Uh, it's not a long cha- a long book only a few chapters. And and there's so many good things that that are said in here. This is the same author who wrote the the Gospel of John, he wrote Revelation, there's a couple other 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John here. And he had spent a lot of time with Jesus, and he had gotten to know the heart of God well through Jesus. This is the same John that that, uh, Jesus was on the cross and said, will you please take care of my mother? And so John carried the heart of Jesus well. But he, this, what he does is he really makes stark contrasts in this book about how we need to be living and how not to just um, blend into the fabric of, of the world around you. And so we're going to look at a f- four different things that uh, we kind of see here in the book of 1 John. And the first one is light and dark. So let's look at 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-10. through 10. And follow along with me. This is the message we have heard from Jesus, and now declare to you, God is light, and there is no darkness in Him at all. So, we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar, and showing that His Word has no place in our hearts. So, we see here one stark contrast that John is mentioning here is light and dark. And he's writing this to early church converts who weren't necessarily Um, didn't have a Jewish background, and so they're asking significant questions like, okay, now that Jesus has, I'm a Christian, Jesus has covered over my sins, does it mean that we can go on living however we want? Um, Do we have different priorities? Do we have different practices? Does our our lives just look differently on a day-to-day basis? And here's what John's response is. It's not a typical response. He doesn't sit there and start answering each and every one of the questions. He just says this, he says, God is light. God is light. Isn't that a unique response? Uh, Why do you think John responded with these questions by just saying here, God is light? Because I think maybe if we look at this, the one thing, this one, answer actually answers all the other questions that maybe people might have. Because you see, if we understand who God is, that God is light, He's not a light, He is light. He is the source and the definition of all light. Is it possible that from this one reality we might find out everything else we need to know? That the what, where, when, who, and why, all those things We'll just take care of itself if we figure out the who. That's what John says here, and you move from anxiety to awe, from fear to faith, from wor- worry to worship, if you know who God is. And here's what John is essentially saying here, with Jesus being light. He's saying that Jesus is the definition, the source of truth and love. You see, when we live in the darkness, we can make ridiculous statements. What we learn here in, in, what Jesus, in what Paul, or sorry, John is saying, is what God does. First off, what He does is He reveals. Jesus reveals things in the light. We can, in the darkness, we can make ridiculous statements. I could walk off stage and I could say things like, "I have hair," you know, and <laughs> you might think if you didn't know me, you could believe that, or "I'm six <laughs> six," and a great basketball player. Nah, not exactly true. Or we could say things like, it's okay that I use those words because nobody should have ever said those things in front of my family. God understands that I hurt my wife because of she was being very disrespectful. It's not gossip when I'm, I'm telling other people how to pray for somebody else. Or God gave me these skills so I could show them off. So the bigger I get, the bigger God gets, right? These ridiculous statements almost sound plausible, when we're living in the darkness. But what Jesus does is He reveals things. He brings them out into the light. He shines light of truth onto sin. It's no not only about what we do in trying to justify our sin, it's about what we don't say or do in trying to hide our sin. It's not that we're always necessarily justifying our sin, it's just that we're saying, you know, life's okay. I've got it all together. And we hide and we don't let Jesus shine truly onto our lives. The good news is that God is not only calling us out for our sins, he's calling us out from our sins. And in the light, we have freedom. When I was younger, I went to camp. It was a small, smaller camp up in, in Nebraska, and we had these little like, cement dormitories that were separate, uh, three different ones for the guys. Uh, any of you ever go to camp, and you kind of were in, I mean, this was not a nice, super amazing quality place, but. I was in these little, these little things and in the middle of the night there was not much light in these dorm rooms and this was a, a night where there was no, no moon. And I just remember specifically waking up and just feeling the darkness completely surrounding me like I could not even catch my breath. And that normally doesn't happen to me, I'm not afraid of the dark or anything, but I just remember waking up. And just I could barely breathe I was just kind of in a panic and I had to get down on the floor and crawl to the door and crawl outside the door and just kind of sit outside for a while and catch my breath have you guys ever had a moment like that where you're just in the dark and it's just all everywhere and it just you just feel suffocated have you ever been in a cave and then they turn out the light and you just you can't even see your hand in front of your face that's the thing is that darkness will just suffocate us and it's the light that gives us freedom. What the light also does is it, it lets us know where God is and how to get there. God is the source of light. Jesus is the source of all light. And so it lets us know that we need to step into the light, but it's not just a one time thing, it's a continual step process of stepping into the light. We need to daily take steps to step into the light, to confess the reality and weight of our sins. But here's the thing, it also, the light also lets us know how God acts. Because God is all light, and because He is the source of all truth and love, this means that God may call you out for your sin because of the truth, but he can't re- He's not going to reject us or shame us because He is light. And because He is love, He also loves us. He will not turn us away. It is an intentional process of separate, separating our identity from what is bound to the darkness and instead finding our identity, what is found in the light. In a world that is struggling with hopelessness and identity issues, it is a wake-up call that we can never be truly known. We can never be truly known if we're living in the darkness because we're just hiding. It is when we step out in the light that we can be known by God and by others as well. God is not out to get you. He is out to give to you. Another thing we talked about is believe or deny. There's an old DC talk song which I remember. I memorized the, this little phrase earlier on, but it says, "In there it says uh, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and then turn around and, and deny Him by their lifestyle." That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Let's look in First John chapter two, verses 24 through 27. And just follow along with me. So, you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you, do, if you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life He promised us. I am writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit, and He lives within you. So, you don't need anyone to teach you what is true, for the Spirit teaches you everything. That you need to know. And what he teaches is true, it is not a lie. So just as He has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. This idea of remain is what, what God is calling us to. To remain in Him. Um, we, see, um, we see that uh, Christians need to uh, contrast in, not only in what we say, but w- which means little. We need to apply it to the biggest challenges in our lives. Do I really believe that when I lose my job now, and now I can't afford my house, do I really believe that uh, God is really who He is, who He said He is? Do I, am I willing to remain in Him? Do I really believe when, when my husband steps out, not mine, but husband steps out and leaves me to take care of three young kids? Do I believe when my child dies that God is still in control? No parent's ever are supposed to bury their own kids. Or maybe do I believe when I get mocked at my workplace or at my school for the things that I believe, do I really believe that God really is who He says He is, or do I just kind of blend in? God is, calling, is challenging us, and John here is he's writing this, but he's saying to remain. And there's three definitions to remain. The first one is to stay put. to so don't give way. It's the idea that a big tree, when winds are are blowing at it, that it continues to remain steadfast and firm, that its roots take hold and the roots go deep. Another definition of remain is to remain in motion or to remain in a race, so that we're already moving forward, we don't stop. It's like a marathon. You may have issues on, dur- during the race and you're, you're feeling sick and you go to the to medical tent and they will ask you the question, do you want to remain in the race? That's another definition of remain. And, and John is telling us both those things, to stay put, to don't give up, to don't give in, to don't get blown over, but at the same time to continue the course that Jesus has set before you. But there's another one of remain. Remain. And this is one that challenges me especially. And how many, okay, math people in here, raise your hand if you're a math person, you love math. This is kind of your thing, your jam when you were in high school. You had this down. Okay, let me me ask you this question. 10 divided by three, what's the answer? Three and a third. Okay, three and a third. Or you could also say 3.333333 and you can keep going. There's actually another answer. What's another answer, anybody know it? Three with a remainder of one, right? It's another answer, it's three with a remainder of one. And um, what I love about this, uh, thinking about this, is you can have your answer, you fulfill it, but then there's a remainder left over. And as a person who's sitting in the blue chairs this morning, I'm going to make an assumption about you this morning, one of two things. That your time here this morning is either because you didn't have anything else to do, you normally have sports or work projects or activities or something else that you're trying to catch up on. And so, but today you don't have anything else to do, and so you're giving God the remainder of your time. I hope that's not the case, but I'm just, I know that that can happen. But the other, other way that we can look at this remainder is you have experienced plenty of what life has to offer. And you've, uh, you've had things that you thought were going to fulfill you, but they didn't. And now what you realize is that when everything else is gone, the only thing that remains is Jesus. And that is the source and the foundation of of how we can remain in the other two ways, to stay put or to keep going, is that it really, Jesus remains. Looking back at the things I mentioned earlier, God, I am devastated that my husband left me and my kids, but I choose to remain in Jesus, because He's still all that remains true. God, the pain of losing my child is so strong that I can barely stand, but I choose to remain in you because you are all that remains. You may have this world, but give me Jesus. Another thing is obey or rebel. Let's look at 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have that, the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything else that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. God desires obedience more than sacrifice. Sacrifice is a one-time thing or a few times things, but then we can go back to doing what we, we would normally do. Obedience is a continual act of the heart to align its will to God. Instead, we often think that God is satisfied in the moments that we choose to give Him, and, and often seem offended when it seems that God wants more than just a few sacrificial moments. So what we do is we give God His time and then we wrestle with some other questions if we are really, really honest. If we are really honest we will ask questions like how much can I sin until God casts me out? As long as I am a good person I believe in Jesus then I don't really need to worry about what is right, right? <coughs> My sin isn't hurting anyone else. It just it, it only affects me when the reality is is that sin is always communal. It always affects other people. The great news is that Jesus is the contrast to our sin. We need to know how bad our sin is so we understand the power of the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus' resurrection is powerful because you can believe everything He has said in Scripture because He did this. He said He was going to die. He said He was going to suffer for the sakes of mankind and then He did it. And He overcame sin. So we can believe in the power of the resurrection because He, he died and He rose again. And it tells us many things about who He is. Jesus' resurrection openly confronts the nonchalance that we might have about our own sin. Knowing right is very different than doing it. I don't always want the things that Jesus wants desperately enough to re- reprioritize my life. In 1 John 3, 4-6, through 6, let me read this really quick because I think it is so perfect in just kind of defining this. It says, Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in Him. Anyone who continues to live in Him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know Him or understand who He is. The last one that I want to look at here is love and fear. This is another one that, uh, this is, uh, the book of John actually talks a lot about this in First John. And, and it's interesting that it's love and fear. What would not you normally think is the contrast to love? Hate, right? That's naturally what we think is, if I don't love somebody, then I hate them. That's kind of the contrast. And I love what, jo- what John really pulls out here is, you know, that's not the contrast. The contrast to love is fear because hate is a byproduct of fear. Let's look at 1 John 3:11 through 13. This will be the last scripture that we look at. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil. And so, and his brother had been doing what was righteous. So, don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Now, let's look down at verse 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, so that we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. And you could just keep reading. There's a wealth of information, great stuff that, that John points out about this idea of love. I think it's interesting that he mentions Cain here. Why is he ma- mentioning Cain here? Because we, in Cain and Abel, we see this, this, this contrast in their own lives of one is a life-giver and one is a life-taker. One is a life-giver and one is a life-taker. And um, if, we are like, if we are life-taking people, we're like Cain. And that's what John is calling out here. Cain killed out of fear, which produced hatred. He was afraid of what God might see in him. He was afraid of of not being accepted for truly who he is. But that is not what God does. If you actually read back in in that story, God gives him multiple times for Cain to to come out and to say, this is what I did. Such love has no fear because, in 1 John 4.18 it says, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. We love each other because He loved us first. So we are not only saved from sin, we are also saved for life-giving. God has called us out to that. And, and our reaction is, to other people to what they do to us is not really, it should never be a reaction to what they have done to us. It should actually be a reaction of what Jesus has done for us. We're like a mirror, I kind of use this illustration when we were together. We're like a mirror, you know, like the, what the moon does is, is it shines off and bounces to a dark place. That's what God is calling us to do. We don't reflect darkness back. What we do is we reflect the light of Jesus to the world around us. So that means no matter how people treat you, no matter what people say about you, our call is to be the light and to reflect Jesus In all circumstances. It is only when we truly accept Jesus' love and understand that He died and, and was resurrected for our sin, and what He covers over, it is in that that we realize that we are able to live in contrast. We have the power to live in contrast because it convicts us of what Jesus has done for us. It is only through that perfect love that we are able to have complete love for other people and to offer it to somebody else. How many of you have had a, uh, have these things around your house? These solar lights? Yeah, I, I had this one, I think I actually ran it over because I had to tape it up, but it's, uh, it's here, and it works. But here, wh- how, does, how does this work? What happens is, is that during the day, it absorbs light, right? This one's a solar one, it's not wired in. It absorbs light throughout the whole day. And then when it's most needed... Oh, it did give me a little bit of light. It's not a super strong one. But that is I, I love this idea because that is what we are called to do is to be like this. We are called to be light in a dark place. And it doesn't happen from us, it happens when we absorb the light of Jesus in our lives. We absorb the light of Jesus and we continue to absorb the light of Jesus. And so when we are in a place that is not like Jesus, which is gonna happen frequently. We, we don't respond in a way that we, we, don't, we don't fit in. We don't become like the darkness. What we are called to do is after we absorb the light of God, when we're in a dark place, we begin to show it out. We begin to give it out to the people that are around us so that we live in stark contrast to everything else. And what this does is it lights the way for others. So my encouragement to you is to live a life of contrast BE SOMEONE WHO IS A, who's a, a SOLAR LAMP THAT we, re, WE ACCEPT THE LIGHT OF THE SUN AND WE GIVE IT OUT TO THOSE WHO MOST NEED IT. REALIZE THAT DARKNESS WILL BE UNCOMFORTABLE WITH IT. PEOPLE WILL CHOOSE TO TREAT YOU. SOMETIMES THEY'LL BE THANKFUL FOR THE LIGHT YOU PROVIDE BUT THERE'S GOING TO BE A LOT OF TIMES THAT PEOPLE WILL NOT BE COMFORTABLE WITH WHAT uh, THE LIGHT THAT YOU SHOW IS GOING TO MAKE THEM FEEL ABOUT THEMSELVES. But God is calling us out through the writer of John to say that we need to start standing out because instead of blending in. Be the contrast in the world so that others might notice a striking difference in you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for being our contrast, for the one that we look to, for the example. And Lord, the world hated you, and so um, the reality is, is... we might not always be the most popular person on earth when we live in contrast to everything around us. But Lord, I pray that we are so strikingly different in how we love people, in how we are obedient instead of rebelling, in how we believe in You, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter how hard life gets, no matter how much everything tries to beat us down. Lord, I pray that we are life-giving people, that we look for opportunities to give life and to speak into other people, and Lord, that we might be the light. And that, that means maybe at moments being real about the darkness in us. It means that we might help bring other people to light, which is not a pretty process. But Lord, it is in that as we, as we continue to step into the light that, that peop- people will take notice and that your kingdom continues to become powerful in this world. That drastic things happen and that this landscape of this, this world has changed because Christians are stepping out and choosing to live a life of contrast uh, against the world around them. In Jesus' name, amen.